it's nothing left but the truth. Twist until I scream out. And life isn't about the paint on my lips or if Mr. Handsome likes my hips. Shake up the madness. Throw the curtains back. Turn the dark on its heels. God, keep me real. Black and white. The bottom line. I, I need, I need the, the bottom line. I've wasted a lot of time dreaming things you never thought of, demanding you to deliver on promises you never made, and crying when the devil does what he's good at and blaming you at the prospect of an early grave. I'm clamoring and stammering, tripping up over my own tripped up existence. So give it to me straight, God. How do I get it right? I need it simple in black and white. Do you need me to give away my cute shoes? Do you need me to stop watching TV? Do you need me to sell my house and my car? I'm afraid, but no distance is too far. How can being in good with you be free? Oh, come on, don't you want something from me? Every man I've met had a price. Don't be coy, God, I'll play nice. That's, that's what I said one night on my bed, more or less what I screamed like a little girl in a closet trying to forget a crime scene. That was me talking to God like he was right there because he was. And this is what he said, Ephesians 2, for it is by grace you were saved through faith. I couldn't buy him enough stuff or give enough away. There wasn't a thing I could do to earn it, just submit and learn him. But he didn't tell me submitting was like crack quitting. I got the jitters and I'm fussing, wanting to take back my life. But he soothes me and reprimands me, <laughs> finds me when I lose me, confronts the sin within me, defines and defends me. This is he of whom the prophets spoke, my king and my God and my father forevermore. All right, we can go home now. Sermon's been preached. Amazing. Thank you. She's a gift to us. Crystal, for many years. I think your dad's here too? He's not here? I thought you said his dad. No? Sparkle's dad's here. Okay. Where's Sparkle's dad? Someone told me it was a former New York. Oh, there's a New Yorker here. All right. Okay. So you are, when I say remember versus member, you understand. But really, Crystal, you're truly a gift to us. Thank you so much. And she's right. Today is what I call, we're going to talk about it straight. This is Resurrection Sunday. I don't know how to even say it any better than this, that we're saved by grace. And you come on a good day. Usually on Easter we start something and then we don't finish it. But we're going to start a new series starting today called Grace Anatomy. And we're going to spend the next six weeks talking about God's grace and how powerful his grace is to each and every one of us. If you want, again, you can come back next week. We'll have installment number two. But number one today is we're saved by grace, not by what we've done. Amen. Not that we deserved it, because, but he loved us enough to pay the price for us, to bring salvation to us. And I want to speak to two people this, this morning. Those who don't know Jesus, who's been pushing back Christ in their lives. Or been working for it. And then those 
who know Jesus, but walk in religion and performance. And it's not about performance, it's about his grace. Because religion is all about performance. Relationship is about grace. The most grace we walk with God, we get to walk with one another. So I want to spend a few moments on that this morning. In case, if you stay around this next few weeks and we talk about, there's a good read here called The Grace of God by Annie Stanley. If you want to pick up this book, it's one of the most amazing books I've written. I mean, I've read, written, right? (laughs) Sorry, Andy. Sorry, Andy. That I read that really brings it into balance. And I learned this a long time ago. If you want to lead, you have to be a reader. And this is an amazing book. So uh, let's spend some time in in God's word. When you hear about the word grace, it takes you to, it's God's unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. And grace is not ours to earn, but it's God's to give. We can't earn it, but God wants to give it. It's amazing. Someone gives you with something, and those who walk away from Christ and doesn't want him in his life, can imagine how he poured everything out to give you the one of the greatest gifts in the world, and we reject him. It doesn't cost you anything except your life, a better life, a newer life. It's not going to be a carefree life. It's going to be an overcoming life. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 9. I'm on, sorry, 9. That's the end of it. Verse 1. Let's look at some things here. We're going to look at our history, and then we're going to look at God's response to our condition when we read this. And you got to love this book the way it starts in chapter 2. And it says, you were dead. Wow, thanks God. <laughs> you were dead in the trespasses and sin which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, someone now at work, and the sons of disobedience. Disobedience is a spirit. And praise God that Jesus, God is also a spirit that can wipe out a disobedient spirit. So it's not a natural thing. among whom we all, circle that, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Then chapter 4, I mean, verse 4 swings it. I love when God swings something. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not the result of works. (laughs) So no one may boast. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, teach us this morning. Show us this morning. Illuminate this morning. And also transform this morning. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name. 
If you look at the first part of chapter 2, 1 through 3, it gives us our condition. It says we were dead, disobedient, walking by the spirit of disobedience, by the prince of the air, the enemy himself, the devil, depraved, impossible for us to come out of it. And then one word in there that really just blew my mind, doomed. Now, it's one thing to be dead and depraved, to be doomed. And you read this, and this kills all the arguments that some people say that we were inherently good when we were born. We were inherently good when we were born. And I can shock that, I can break that argument so quick. How many of you have children? Now, with your children, it's pretty when they say, Mama, Daddy. And the other word they learn, when you say, please put that down, no. Now, anyone who's inherently good doesn't say no. But you hear no, no. Then we become adults. No, no, no. We rebel. We were born in this nature. It's our nature that is corrupted from Adam and Eve. Our nature is corrupted. You can do good things, but you cannot do good things for God. Yes, we do good things. But our nature, unless it's born again, is corrupted. And when you talk about being doomed, there's nothing that we can do to fix it. That brings a big question, who can fix it? And we have religions today, people trying to fix things. If I live right, if I do this, and I do all that, and they try to serve a God that they put in the graveyard 200 years ago, who can't resurrect their life, who can't transform them, but we're working hard to be good. And the only way to be good is to be transformed. Think about those words. Dead, disobedient, depraved. It's impossible for us to fix it. Doomed. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? No. And you know one thing, the grace of this passage is? It's the grace in this passage. Because grace acknowledges the full implication of our sin, yet God does not condemn us. See, grace acknowledges our full implication, implication of sin. Acknowledge it that we're dead and we're doomed and we're through. But God does not condemn. Now, you'll see in, in John chapter 3, 18, it says those who don't accept Christ are condemned. God does not condemn. You condemn yourself when you don't accept Christ. When I was in the military and we had to write EPRs, they'll say, son, Brian, you're mean. I'm not mean. You're writing it. I'm only recording what I see. You're kicking yourself out. I'm not kicking you out. Here is the standard. Here's what you're doing. Come on, somebody. I got to give it to you straight. And that's what life's out. That's what it's talked about in the Bible here. Grace sees that, acknowledges that. It's the greatest thing when it said God so loved the world. He acknowledged our sin. He didn't condemn he had a plan. That's what I love about that grace. 
Now let's look at starting in verse 4. God's response. He's rich in mercy. Mercy does not give us what we deserve, and grace gives us what we don't deserve. <laughs> Think about it. Mercy does not give us what we deserve, which is love translated. We deserve judgment. We deserve what we deserve. God didn't give us what we deserve. Then he gave us grace. for what we don't deserve. He had a plan. Still has a plan. I love Hebrews chapter 10. It says this. Through his death, it's weird, it says, through his death, we have been made perfect in him. Do you get, continue reading down chapter 10? It says, through his death, we're being perfected. That is amazing grace, that we are whole with him, but we're still being perfected. So don't be one of those, don't be so hard on yourselves when you're being perfected. Wow. He pulled out all the stops for us to follow. And all we have to do is say, yes, Lord. The spirit of disobedience says, no, no. And when you were like me growing up, your parents beat the spirit out of you. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't have problems. I moved too much. Didn't need a pill. Need a belt. If you're sick, you got castor oil. That fixed everything. Straight up. You're sick. Get castor oil. I didn't deserve that. But I definitely needed it. A lot of things we don't deserve, but we definitely need it. Because you got to recognize something. His response, he loved us. He made us alive. He raised us up, and then he saved us. (laughs) He loved the unlovable. We were dead, and he had to make us alive. And he raised us up to sit with him in heavenly places and sit with him in fellowship. Remember Lazarus in John chapter 11, when he says, open up the tomb and let Lazarus come out. And he was bound up. He said, loose that man and let him go. And next thing you know, Lazarus was sitting there fellowshipping with Jesus. Same thing with us. We were dead in our transgressions, dead in our sin. God raises up the fellowship with his son, the fellowship with him again. What was separated became open for each and every one of us. When Jesus died on the tomb, died on the cross, said the, in the temple of the holies of holies, the curtain ripped. What was separated, now we have access to, which we could not do on our own. Because if we can grab it and say we've done it, we'll build a ministry off it. He knew that. Raised up and saved us. What a response. And some of you don't even think you deserve it. It's not about what you deserve, think you, you think you deserve. It's about the truth. 
That's how much he deems us all valuable. You know, people can say a lot of things about you, but it really doesn't count unless you hear what God says about you. And if you live your life for Christ, you're dancing to an audience of one. See, when I grew up, they called me a lot of things. But it doesn't really matter. It depends on what my father calls me. I want to encourage you today. Don't live your life of what someone else said. You live your life on what God says. Raise us up and save us. You got to recognize salvation is a gift, not a reward. We want being rewarded. It's a gift. That's all I'm saying. Take the gift. Take the gift. And see, salvation cannot be of works because the work of salvation was completed on the cross. It cannot be works because all the work to bring us back to Christ happened on the cross. You guys who love the walking performance, stop it. The work hasn't been done. Walk in the grace and grow in his grace. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In a religious town, it's all about judgment, judgment, judgment. And God, someone great, we kill each other judging each other. I'm just as guilty. Thank God I wasn't running it. I would have came off the cross and wiped out a few people. Then I would have got back up there. <laughs> I mean, that is, you're talking about something. You know, we've we seen in the movie, The Pain. And, you know, we had a great movie with... Uh, with Christ, and I think it was uh, Mel Gibson made it. You know, it was Passion of the Christ. It was a great about seeing the pain, but the movie left out one thing, the purpose. Why did he do it? Know why he did it? Because of you. That's how valuable you are. Because of us. That's love, but then he didn't love us into the kingdom. He had the graces in. He had to take care of the punishment that we would do. So his son took what we deserve to make a way for us to get back with God. That's a lot of work. A lot of us are working for God so much, we're not walking with God at all. We've been saved and we're acting like we're trying to re- get resaved once and for all. And the devil will love you to do that because you'll walk in condemnation your whole time on earth. Say, I'm not good enough. I messed this up. I messed that up. And all you got to do is confess. He's justified. He's God to forgive and cleanse like it never existed. See, it's not a performance thing. It's a relationship thing. Now, there's one story I want to talk about in Luke that we read over a lot. It signifies God's grace. It's in Luke chapter 23, verses 40 to 43. Jesus is on the cross. And it's amazing that he's on the cross, and people are yelling, if you're the Christ, save yourself, testing him, provoking him, the same way the devil did in the earliest in the beginning of Luke, in the beginning of Matthew. If you're God, come down, save yourself. And they put him, even though he wasn't guilty of anything, between two criminals. Now you've got to recognize something about these criminals. 
We don't know their name, but God sure has a time to, sh- to show, tell us his, their character. And I did, some re- I did some reading on that. Now the Romans, whenever they had criminals, they would stick them on a boat, their warships to row. But the ones who were completely out of control, who had heinous crimes, they crucified. So these guys were out there. They, were, they deserved death. They wouldn't even qualify to row the boat. That's how the Romans thought about them. Throw away, get rid of them, kill them all. Kill these two guys. And you have one who riles Christ, and you have this other guy who says something. And you got to remember now, we know about the passion of Christ. Jesus is beaten, unrecognized. You can't recognize him. In a bad spot, even breathing was tough. And this guy speaks and asks him a question. Let's go there. Now, one of the guys um, said something. Save yourself if you're the son of God. And the other guy, one, one of the guys in there, the uh, criminal himself, he rebuked him. He said, don't you not fear God since you were under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to him, he said, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. This guy had come to the end of his life. All he had left, he had no pull in life. All he had left was death. That was his trial. That was it. He was going to die. No one was going to pull him out of the fire. He wasn't even worth living as, as far as the Romans were concerned. And he comes with a last minute, recognize who God is, the Son of God is, and then our Savior answers him. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Wait a minute. He doesn't deserve it. That's not fair. And see, at the cross, guys, everything's level. If you make a lot of money and you haven't given your life to Jesus, your nature's corrupt. If you make no money and you haven't given your life to Jesus, your nature is corrupt. Everything's level at the cross. There's no such thing as a bad crime and a, and a good crime. It's called sin. No higher sin, lower sin. If you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're all level. And here's what's his response. This guy made Tim Bundy look good. Because, see, us, we would say kill him. He doesn't deserve the last minute entrance. We don't understand that scripture. The last will be first and the first will be last. We don't understand that other way around. Don't understand that scripture. Last second, grace was extended. And to your very breath, grace is extended to you. Someone, Jesus is reaching out. Take it. Take the gift. Stop playing around. Take it. 
I paid my life. Don't you understand? I proved my love. I proved my grace. I proved everything to you. Take it. Wow. How can we reject that, but we'll take the hand of some knucklehead? Then I'm going to give you everything. They can't give you anything. They don't know Jesus. They can't give you nothing. Why? Because it's tangible? And some of you are sitting in here today, I'm too far gone. I doubt that you're worthy of, of being killed right now. See, Jesus doesn't look at how deep you go. He looks at you as someone I died for. And us believers who condemn people, we need to walk with grace and stop judging. Because if our Savior, at his last breath, so you will be with me in paradise. Who are we? And who do you think that you're too far gone for Jesus to save you? And you've been working hard at it. You, I'm not a murderer. I don't steal. Your nature's still corrupted. But you recognize if you're walking like that, something in your heart's broken. And you try to fill it with everything and everybody. And they can't fill it because they're not the savior of the world. You're created with eternity in your heart. And when that is missing, life becomes nothing but a big experiment. You experiment with this, I experiment with that. But I want to live and experience Christ, not experiment life. And you're wondering what's wrong. Guys, I can give you all the psychology in the world. What's wrong is Jesus is not Lord of your life. And he took a lot because that's how much he loved you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes him shall not perish but have eternal life. So loved the world. Love initiated it. And then Jesus graced it. Grace made a way for us to get back into the love of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed.